Let's get haunted with your host, Matt Strong and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 82. I have a very special episode for everyone today. Wow. Wait, really? Yeah. It's very special. It's special to me, especially. Well, <laughs> special, so especially. Special yeah. Everyone. Well, if you guys are new to the show, uh, this is the way our show works. Natalia is going to tell me a story this episode, and I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And the next episode is me telling her a story, and she doesn't know what it is. Right. So I really don't know what this is. I didn't know that this was a special, especially special it episode. It is special. And um, I want to shout out to my friend, Michael Burns. Uh, Mikey Blaster on Instagram who handmade all of the the music that you're going to hear really in the episode today yes oh and, my god and Alyssa's not going to hear it because we can't pay extra to put things in our recordings you guys right now. we have to do it in post this is what I want to <laughs> say although we are an award-winning podcast although we won a shorty award for best podcast and although we are currently nominated for four podcasting mm-hmm. awards we are still dare i say broke yeah is that the Beyond proper broke. yeah is that the proper adjective destitute i think <laughs> yeah. is right we're in shambles uh we all are the in time shambles. Yeah. being dragged to hell i sent Alyssa a gif of the the pen the the pinnacle scene and drag me to hell right where the train's going by right. and, and yeah and there's someone being literally dragged to hell spoiler alert i guess also um this might be a spoiler alert if you haven't listened to the past two episodes where we've talked about being dragged to hell right yeah if you listen to the past two episodes we have been on a downward trend lately yes in downward terms- spiral well i really thought good things were like were coming for us <sighs> Fuck, man. I was. It has to get worse before it gets better. That's what everyone says. I talk. You know what? Shout out to James DeAngelis. James gave me a pep talk at a party a couple months ago where he was like, you guys are fucking killing it. And I was like, really? Because it doesn't really feel like we are like we don't make enough money for this to just like even be self-sustaining. I know. And all my friends and family are constantly like, have you done a putting ads on like, oh my god, I just like, want to murder everyone. If you don't have a podcast, I don't want your opinion, okay? <laughs> it's not as easy as it sounds. Um, but James was giving me a pep talk and he was like, no, you guys are fucking killing it. Like, that's the that's what you have to do. You have to fucking grind. You have to suffer. Uh, don't do what we did. Or maybe I have to bleep this out. But he's like, <laughs> he's like, don't do what we did and sell out in the first two years. Right. Like, because I get it. Like, you're broke and you're struggling. And it's like, it's so tempting to just be like, all right, I'm going to sell to a network whatever they own all the rights and I get nothing except for like enough to keep living wage yeah like a living wage and he's like don't do it it's so tempting don't do it keep grinding for the first two three years four years and then eventually like you'll like have something really special that someone's going to pay for what it's actually worth yeah we'll have more leverage yeah if we have a larger audience if we've done more things our own we can be like look we don't fucking need you just don't listen to our podcast where we're constantly pitching about how we need you like yeah 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 i think it's gonna happen i think so too i really james really gave i wish you had been there james really gave like this crazy pep talk where i was like james Mm mm-hmm why are you not a motivational speaker? Because, wow, this is like getting me pumped. You know, James has a tattoo, which I've never confirmed with him. This is just what I interpreted it to mean when I was watching the video podcast that he was on recently with us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's two skulls and it's right on his, I think it's his left wrist and it's right where a watch would be. And I was looking at that and I was like, that's a very interesting placement and an idea for a tattoo because it's kind of like it's time to die. 
Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Two, or time is ticking. Yeah, but then there's two skulls and it's like, so there's two options, right? Like you can either die, like just give up, give into the system, just take what you have, or you can break free of that and you can suffer for your own podcast. Right. You know what? <laughs> get haunted or die trying, as yeah. we said in a past episode. Yeah. We're either going to get the whole world haunted right. or we're going to die trying. So thank you guys for tuning in. Yeah. And hopefully you get a little bit haunted. I agree. And uh, before we get into the story, you guys just want to remind you that we are up for four awards. As I said a couple of minutes ago, if you'd like to vote for us, you can go to podcastawards.com and vote for us in the category of best comedy podcast or in the category of best female podcast. Or you can go to paranormalityradio.com. And that is the website of Paranormality Magazine, where we are currently up for Best Paranormal Podcast of 2021, and we are up for Best Ghost Story Podcast of 2021. Yes. The podcast awards, voting for that is really weird. If you voted in the nomination period, you are 99% sure you are eligible to vote in the finals Mm -hmm. because they're not letting randoms vote because they don't want like people just botting or spamming votes because then that defeats the purpose of an award show. Um. So if you think you voted for that, just try to log in, do forgot my password and see if they email you telling you what your password is and vote for us because for that, that's the People's Choice Podcast Awards and we can do a, um, oh my God, what's it called? An award speech. We get to do an acceptance speech if we win. Yes. And we're going to dress up as something. Something. We can't give it away because you guys have to vote for us if you want to see it. Yeah. And then if you guys do vote for us uh tell us in, on twitter say like i voted and this is what i want nat and Allie to dress up as yes. a lot of people have been saying cryptids a lot of people have been saying other things <laughs> like, <laughs> it's been mostly cryptids to be honest with you but if you guys have a particular cryptid in mind mm-hmm. let us know because originally when we won the shorty remember we thought there was going to yeah. be an acceptance speech right and then they just didn't do it because of covid they but our original us. plan was like nat was going to dress up as mothman right i was going to dress up as like a gross siren like not a sexy one but right. like a like a mostly fish and then she was gonna she was gonna like wheel, wheel me yeah she was gonna wheel me across the stage in a red wagon and then because of covid <laughs> they didn't do acceptance speeches but because it's a vi- we have to send a video of us accepting this accepting the award before we actually win it so it's just gonna be a sad situation because we like, don't know if we've won or yeah not. like yeah. us like hyping ourselves up giving this speech or whatever and like all these clothes and stuff and then if if they don't pick us and it never gets played i guess we can just put it on our instagram (laughs) that is the saddest thing i've ever (laughs) heard in my life well natalia are you ready to get into this week's episode yeah after the saddest thing you've ever heard in your (laughs) life is the perfect segue thank you guys very much for continuing to listen to this podcast really appreciate all of the haunted fam all the haunties and thank you in advance for voting for us in these two podcast award shows and thank you to everyone who's already voted for us we love you yes and i'm just gonna go ahead and put this out there um i toyed with the idea i told Alyssa last thing by the way before we get into the story um that i would like to do a live show yes on halloween that would be cool we rent out a haunted location we have to make it like a ridiculous time to show up like everyone like it starts at midnight and ends at 2 a.m so that way like people are just drunk or something and And then we play the midnight game or the the three kings game yeah you guys just won't even know what you're in for 
and then we can get someone who's like really good at piano to just be in the background like blah, 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 blah. you know what we could do we could get like bonnie to play the violin yes. like a really sad vi- we have a friend who's a classical violinist yes. we could just have her play a sad violin right and then we want to do like a powerpoint presentation on hauntings you guys it's going to be fun it's going to be an extravaganza now are we doing it we're not sure so tell us in the comments if you yeah. want that that's going to be a fuck a hard thing to plan yeah. and do and i'm going to be afraid of getting murdered in person ariana grande concert style you know you mean christina grimmy style no not she didn't get murdered who's that christina grimmy got murdered who at a that? meet and greet for her fans she was oh a youtuber that's horrible yeah i was thinking there was someone who went to ariana grande's concert and like tried to shoot like shoot her what i know and what I, I, right with all that security she has like the most security in the world i know this was a few years ago right. and it still wow. happened maybe we should not well i said that to my friends and i was like what do you what are you gonna do you know like how do i prevent someone from doing that to me and they were like you can't you just have to live knowing that 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 might happen to you <laughs> like, I'm like okay. I'm horrified right now. This is the right new now. fucking normal, guys. This I is mean, the new normal. it can't get much worse than it already is. So I guess if we get murdered, we'll be on the news. But my point <laughs> being that this is n- this is a hard thing we're gonna have to do. If okay? we even do it, I don't want to promise anyone because if it falls through, I don't want people to be like, oh man, disappointed. The only way it's gonna happen is a bunch if a bunch of people promise to come and we have to make tickets like a hundred bucks or something. Oh no nobody's gonna come for a hundred bucks how else are we gonna afford to do all of it we'll have to we'll have to i don't know how much was the sp7 live show cost the one where they rented out where they did yeah where the, uh the sp7 oh you know what i don't know but i think rooster teeth paid for it but that's what i mean is like if if you're an independent podcast you just can't do a lot of stuff right that other people get to do that's i don't know true. guys are you so, in la if you're in la and you would go to a live show leave a yeah. comment on the soundcloud or on the photo dump for this or episode if you want to fund our live show pay for the location pay, do that whatever i'll make a vlog out of it you'll be executive producer how about that yeah there we go all right leave a comment uh on the instagram photo dump for this episode if you live in la and would be interested in going to a live show at let's get haunted also you don't have to live in la like you can i guess you could fly here take your private jet true Mm-hmm. true all right <laughs> can we record an episode in your private jet let us yeah, know please yeah <laughs> all right Alyssa. yes i need you to put your fucking hands up because you know what about what's to happen <laughs> next <laughs> what's about to happen next my hands are up we're you guys about to see. get fucking haunted oh bitch. shit here we go we're coming down the roller coaster <laughs> wait okay. let me buckle up i forgot to buckle up and i'm already on the roller coaster hold on <laughs> Here we go. I got to tie, oh, no, I gotta tie my rope. Hold on. Tie Alyssa my rope. Alyssa is literally taking her sweatshirt as if it's a rope and tying it around her waist. Fully I did it. Committed. I did it. I tied it around my waist. We're not in my closet with ants, but we are in a studio. Gio is our engineer for yes, today. Thank Shout you, out, Gio. Gio. Thank you, Gio. Okay. <clears throat> Pretend like there's uh, music in the background, Alyssa, in your mind. Do, do, yeah. do, 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 do. Sticks and stones may break. <laughs> Stone. <laughs> <laughs> don't start this okay all right okay. i'm done i'm fine i'm gonna drink my coffee over here with okay. my robe buckled up on the roller coaster sticks and stones may break my bones but words can never hurt me but what if they did what <laughs> we can't start this okay okay one wait, more time. Again. here i won't look at you okay okay sticks and stones may break my bones but words can never hurt me but what if they did what if one word 
muttered aloud could break your bones. What if accidentally oh. speaking a word out loud could get you stabbed? <laughs> Natalia's covering her Crushed, face. burned, bankrupt, or even cause you to die suddenly of unforeseen causes. According to this specific legend, if you say this specific word out loud at your place of work, you will activate a curse that harms you and all of your colleagues. What? And yes, even saying the word in sign language rather than out what? loud will enact the curse. Allie, do you have any idea what we might talk about today? Okay, it's a cursed word. Yes. Okay, can I ask questions? Sure. Okay. Is it one word or is it a phrase? It's one word. Oh, damn. I don't know what we're talking about then. I had an idea because I had heard an urban legend recently that's a Japanese urban legend and it was two words. This is not a Japanese urban legend. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Okay, I'll give you a hint. Okay. In the theater, before a performance, oh, we say break a leg for good luck. Because saying good luck is bad luck. Right. But what if one word could break both your legs and give you bad luck? Pretty bad luck. According to this thespian tradition, saying the title of this play oh. out loud while in a theater will get you killed. Is it Macbeth? Shut fuck, shut up! Oh, sorry! Okay, sorry! Jesus Christ! Okay, I'm sorry, I'm drinking my coffee on the roller coaster. I'm going back. I'm going back. I'm going away from the mic. Okay, I will explain in one second why you can say that out loud today, but don't say that right now before I say okay. out loud why you can say it because okay. the witches are going to get mad. All right. <clears throat> People have died after saying the name of this play out loud in a theater. Allie. We're in a theater. We're in a theater. No, I'm about to explain why we are not. Okay. Even if it's the play you are rehearsing, if you accidentally mention the title of the play while rehearsing, you'll activate a deadly curse. This was the part where I was going to say, Allie, do you know what play I'm saying? Don't say it out loud. But you already said it. Now, my next point is, are we in a theater? Yes. I'm hesitant myself to say the name out loud because I can't figure out if we're in an actual theater right now. But for our sake, I'm going to define theater and explain why we are not in a theater so that the curse cannot get us. And okay. then okay. we can freely say the name out loud. All right, I'm ready. According to dictionary.com, a theater is defined as one, a building or outdoor area in which plays and other dramatic performances are given. Two, the activity or profession of acting in, producing, directing, or writing plays. Three, a play or other activity or presentation considered in terms of its dramatic quality. Now, Allie, do any of those sound like where we are recording right now? Um, okay, I am going to say, you guys, if <laughs> so if you can picture our new studio, because uh, I think we filmed a couple episodes at the old studio. We filmed one here, but you guys may not know. It's kind of like a loft situation. So mm -hmm. the upper level... The loft level, if you yes. will, is a <laughs> podcast recording studio. But if you go down the stairs, if you open the door from the loft and go down the stairs, it's a comedy, like, like a stand-up stand -up comedy hall. It's what this building, if you know what this is, is what we would call like a black box theater. It's literally just a room that's been painted black. And like historically, people can do any sort of performances in them. You can turn it into a studio. You could, you know, have a play in there. You could, you know, have auditions in there, whatever. Yeah. So it's a theater in my mind. Yes. But some of you might not know this, 
but most of you do because I never shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> I went to theater school, okay? I majored <laughs> in theater arts in college, and one of the most, actually, may I say, the most important thing I ever learned was taught to me by an excellent and inspiring teacher. Shout out Professor Kevin Wetmore from LMU. Oh my gosh. And it was that all theater is performed in front of an audience. Oh. Without an audience, it is not theater. It's just a person speaking or dancing or living. Okay. Okay. So theater is performance and therefore it requires an audience. So I want to point out that although Allie and I are performing today, technically there is no audience because our sound engineer, Gio, is paid to be here and oh. therefore is an employee. Oh, there and we go. And not an audience. So technically oh, wow. we can say the name of this play out loud today without consequence. Fuck you, 1606 witches. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. The name of this play is Macbeth by William Shakespeare. I'm so glad you said that because I was going to be very nervous this whole time unless you explained what you right. just explained. So yes. thank God. This is, have you heard of this curse before? I have. Yes. I Yeah. I, I am not a theater major. I'm not super well versed in the theater arts, but of course you have to read Macbeth. It's a very famous play in high school. Yeah. So I'm, I'm aware of the play and I'm aware tan, like, tangentially of the curse but yes. i'm not involved i've never been in a play of macbeth or anything right. like that so this is this curse is like serious shit to thespians like i always say thespians like lesbians yeah too. but it, yeah yeah <laughs> like instead of thespians is there a funnier. club honestly is there a club of lesbian thespians called thespians, thespians? Uh, there if should there's be. not there should be yeah, yeah. If you're in high school right now and you have the ability to make that happen make you a club do it. yeah make a club oh my god make shirts Tag oh us. God. I yes. want to see them. Well, it would just... Oh, thes T-H-E-S-B-I-A. Yeah, thespians. The thespian club. And it's just they put on LGBTQ plays. And oh, that's it's amazing. Like, it's, I love that. I love that, too. So this is really serious. Um, I accidentally... Well, I didn't accidentally. I just didn't know about this curse when I was in theater school. And I said the name Macbeth out loud in Foley Theater at LMU. And I was forced by everyone to go outside, turn around three times, spit on the ground, and say a curse word. Because that's how you like reverse the curse. Oh. They literally wouldn't let me come back in the theater. They, they oh, locked damn. the doors out and they were like, this is serious. And I couldn't tell if they were serious or not because I was like, you take some of your classes when you're in theater school in the theater. Like uh -huh. you're just like in the back rooms or whatever. So we were talking about Macbeth and I was said the name out loud. And then they're like, get the fuck out of here. And like everyone damn. from the class like literally was looking at me like from the inside of the theater because there's windows <laughs> next to the doors and just watching me outside. And in my mind, I was like, this is stupid bullshit but they were like all but really they were serious. right but they were right yeah so basically the curse states that if you say Macbeth in a theater you'll be cursed and yes the curse is actually real people have literally died after saying Macbeth in a theater and there are several super creepy convincing stories that will leave you Allie and our listeners haunties and new people and who, Geo and Geo believing in the curse so first instance Opening day of Macbeth in 1606 at the Globe Theater, the actor who was supposed to play Lady Macbeth is said to have died of a fever shortly what? before the first performance, and that Shakespeare himself had to play Lady Macbeth because back then actors played all the actresses' roles. They would just put on like heavy right. makeup and be in drag essentially. And it said that the play, like there was all sorts of things that went wrong during it and that the crowd and everyone was super pissed off and it was just haunted in general. And that was the first time it ever happened. In subsequent performances, things kept going wrong. 
When the play was first produced outside of England in Amsterdam in 1672, the actor running the company chose to present Macbeth's murder of King Duncan on stage instead of off, as Shakespeare wrote it. And the actor who was playing Macbeth had become intimate or was sleeping with the wife of the actor who was playing King Duncan. And so they had a real fight on stage. Oh. And one night the actor who was playing Macbeth brought a real dagger on stage (gasps) and literally killed the other actor who was playing Duncan for real. Number four. In London at around the same time, the Duke's Men, which was the only company licensed by Charles II to perform Macbeth at the time, was performing the play Macbeth when the actor Henry Harris accidentally ran his sword through the eye of the actor playing Macbeth and killed him. Yeah, I don't know how you accidentally. I was about to say, how do you accidentally like jam your sword in someone's eye? Yeah, that's like. You just did. You just didn't like because him. the curse. Because the, you're right. Maybe maybe an unseen force grabbed the actor's hand. Right. We yeah. don't. We, we don't, don't know. know. We or don't know. maybe the curse made Who's you so say? angry, and you were like, "I'm just gonna fucking murder this guy right yeah. now. I don't give a shit." Yeah. You got like a hot brain. Yeah. It's like the curse <laughs> is boiling your brain. <laughs> hot brain disease. Hot brain disease. Uh, number five, when a revival of the play opened in November of 1703, Southern and Central England were hit with the equivalent of a Category 2 hurricane that toppled 2,000 chimneys in London, caused a million pounds in damage, and killed 1,500 seamen. Now, I don't know if you know about the chimneys in London, <laughs> but they it toppled 2,000 of them. What the toppling? All of the chimneys. And the chimney sweeps had nothing to do. Oh, my God. Out of, <laughs> out of work. This is this is tragic. I feel like 70% of the population was a chimney sweep. I know. In, in, in London. London at the in time. London town, everyone yeah. was a chimney sweep. Right. <laughs> and then they were just out of work. It's so sad. This is sad. Wow. Yes. This curse goes deep because not only are the people who were in the chimneys toppled with the chimneys... <laughs> But the ones who weren't in the chimneys had no work. I know. It was just a chimney disaster. Wow. But I don't know why they didn't call it the chimney disaster. What year was this? 1703. Wow. It is now. Yes. That's what it's known as now. Rewrite the history books, haunties. Number six, at a performance of the play in 1721, a nobleman who was watching the show from the stage decided to just get up in the middle of a scene and walk across the stage to go talk to his friend. I'm sorry, what? He was probably drunk. Honestly, noblemen... I know they're entitled I know and so the actors obviously were upset by this so they drew their swords and they drove out this nobleman like get the fuck out of here basically and they drove out all of his friends from the theater and then the the nobleman came back with a militia like all of his men and just burned down the theater now you have thoughts about that Alyssa's Alyssa's face is like I confused. I'm confused and shocked, and I'm just thinking. I'm so glad I wasn't alive back then. I know. Well, we'll talk about this later. But okay. the, the theater was not the same back then as it is now. Theater was like a totally different thing. It was actually super badass. There was lots of political themes discussed on stage. It was like really like a lot of satire. They took shots at noblemen and kings and all of that. I'm sure it was more interactive. More interactive. Like if you didn't like what you were seeing, you could literally throw furniture up on stage and injure. <laughs> (laughs) the actors that's what happened 
number seven. In 1775, the actress playing Lady Macbeth fell ill, and a 21-year-old Sarah Siddons was forced to take over the role with one day's notice. She had so little time to prepare that she gave a horrible performance, and she was nearly killed by a disapproving audience. Oh, my God. As I said before. That's not her fault, though. But they don't well, know that. Well, I guess she was, if she was the understudy, she should have known. Look, the people in the audience in the pit are like, I have syphilis. I paid a penny to be right. here. <laughs> All of my family is dead. Like, if you don't fucking do a good job right now, I I'm have, going to kill you. I have gangrene on 90% of my toes. <laughs> yes. And I have seven minutes left to live. <laughs> right. If this, if this is the last thing I see before I die, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Number eight, it was Macbeth that was being performed inside the Astor Place Opera House the night of May 10th, 1849, when a crowd of more than 10,000 New Yorkers gathered to protest the appearance of a British actor named William Charles McCready. He, at the time, was engaged with a, in a bitter public feud about who was a better actor with American actor Edward Forrest, who was also starring in a production of Macbeth just a few blocks away. Oh, So wow. it was like, who's better? The original English actors who are doing Shakespeare's Macbeth or the, uh, the American actor who's doing Shakespeare Macbeth? And people literally got so into this feud that they had a protest and the mayor had to call out the militia and the protest escalated into a riot there were troops they fired into the crowd they killed at least 22 people they wounded 48 and they injured hundreds wow all over Macbeth number nine it was also Macbeth that Abraham Lincoln chose to take with him on board the River Queen on the Potomac River on the afternoon is it Potomac I think it's Potomac 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 you guys I don't live in in Alabama town or wherever that (laughs) that is where is the Potomac I, you know, somewhere in the south. Yeah. It could be in the north. It could be in the north. It could be in the east or the west. Your guess is as good as mine. (laughs) Continue. My point being that he was, uh, that he took Macbeth on this fucking riverboat in, on April 9th, 1865. And he was reading passages out loud to a party of friends. And then not only a week Later, Lincoln himself was dead by a murderer's hand. And as we know, if you guys listened to the Doppelgangers episode back in 2019, mm-hmm. maybe this is why Abraham Lincoln had a dopp- an evil doppelganger. Yep. Could be. Could be. Maybe he read Macbeth too many times, split in half, the good Lincoln, the bad Lincoln. Yes. That was summoned by Macbeth. And if you're listening to this and you're like, what is Macbeth about? Don't worry. I'm going to tell you what it's about. But it it involves a lot of assassinations of people who are in power, political parties. So it's very haunted that Abraham Lincoln was reading aloud from this play in which political figures are assassinated. Right. And then he was himself assassinated less than a week later. Tragedy. The curse. In 1882, on the closing night of the production of Macbeth, an actor named J.H. Barnes was engaged in a scene of swordplay with an actor named William Rignold. When Barnes accidentally thrust his sword directly into Rignold's chest... Fortunately for them, a doctor was in the audience, but the wound, I am told, was rather serious. He lived, I guess, but... 
but at what cost? Also, when I read that, I was like, what is a doctor going to do about that? Like, he's like, hey, I'm a doctor, but you literally got s- sorted in the chest. Yeah. So, like, hey, I, I don't know what also, I'm supposed to do. Was this 1800s? This was 1882. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to put a leech on the wound. <laughs> I'm going to make you snort all the cocaine. Right. Mm-hmm. And now you're fine. Yeah. that That's 1800s medicine. It worked, though. Also, why were they not just using fake swords? Have there not been enough accidents for people to be like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't use, like, serrated metal. I know. <laughs> in, in a play. Right. Yeah. Perhaps yeah. we should get some rubber. Yeah. Or any other material. I know. I th- well, we'll talk about this again, but because of the times, there wasn't as, like, you couldn't have a play at night. They didn't have, like, spotlights and stuff like that a long time ago until they did the limelight, but that was much later. So these plays were performed in the day, in the heat of day, right? Right. And they had to have lots of action going on on stage to keep people engaged. Otherwise, the people would get mad and literally throw furniture at them oh, that's or, true. like, boot them off stage. And to your point, everyone in the audience is drunk, so you're trying yeah. to make this as, like captivating as possible drunk whether on substances or because they have hot brain disease yeah Yeah, hot brain disease is serious hot brain disease summer (laughs) (laughs) all right a production at the prince's theater in 1926 was already getting fucked by stolen equipment falling scenery and costumes which caught fire when the lead actor Henry Ainley had to leave the show from nervous exhaustion obviously because he's yeah, like he's I don't like, want to be I've part been of this. on fire for <laughs> two days straight but his replacement who was written as being burly so I'm assuming he's like more like supposedly tougher than him uh-huh. had so little physical control that he nearly strangled Lady Macbeth Sybil Thorndike in the throne scene okay yeah this is another hot brain individual right yeah he's like let's 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 really go method here. I'm literally going to try to strangle you. Yeah, yeah. And I want you to actually scream for your life because I'll literally (laughs) strangle you. I also love that they're like, he was burlier and therefore had less restraint. So I'm just picturing like someone who doesn't even know where they are. Right. Like the the Hulk who's been like dropped on his head five times (laughs) or something. Yeah. And he's just like, ah! All right. During the rehearsal period for the first modern dress production at the Royal Court Theater in London, 1928, a large set fell down, which injured members of the cast seriously. And then on top of that, a fire broke out in the dress circle the Sunday before opening. Wow. In the 1934 production at the Old Vic, the show's Macbeth, Malcolm Keane, suddenly broke his ankle, and then his replacement, Alistair Sim, got influenza, and then was replaced by Marius Gorik. This all took place within one week's time. I thought you were going to be like, and then his replacement caught on fire, because it seems like everyone is just catching on fire. No, actually, that Marius Gorig guy, I like looked him up, because I was like, well, what happened to this guy? Yeah. And he died. Eventually. Well, well, it was 1934. Most people die eventually. <laughs> right. But he did. But he did as well. And it could be because of Macbeth. Yes. We don't know. We don't know. Now, according to an article I read for the Austin Chronicle entitled Macbeth's Myriad of Misfortunes by Robert Fares at 4.15 p.m. on Friday, November 2nd, <laughs> 2018. You guys, it was 4.15 p.m. It was five minutes before 4.20. That's why I left that in yeah. there. 
It says, in 1936, when 20-year-old famous director Orson Welles produced his Voodoo Macbeth, which was set in 19th century Haiti, his cast included some real African drummers who were familiar with, quote, white magic. That is not my quote. That is from the article. Right. Okay. White magic practices from their cultures. Now we know that we that the proper way to say that is light magic, but yes. we are quoting an article. Yes. As Orson Welles told the story, they were not happy with the, the African drummers when the Herald Tribune critic Percy Hammond blasted the show and then Abdul Asin, who was cast as the witch doctor in the production, approached the young director about making, quote, Barry Barry on the offending journalist. What's Barry Barry? Barry Barry is a disease that causes inflammation and then ultimately heart failure. On the offending journalist. Now, Orson Welles just told him to go ahead and then Asin started a drumming ritual and then Hammond died just over a week later. That's fucked. I know. Orson Welles, what the fuck? But that is he fucked. was like like one of his real like pe- one of his real drummers who knows this actual curse magic or hex curse or whatever. or whatever comes up to him and he's like, "Hey, that journalist said that our show wasn't good." And Orson Welles is like, "Yeah, let's fucking kill him." Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. But you know what? That's his new normal. Yeah. I mean, that's Again, I just feel like all of these stories are just saying that there's something about Macbeth that makes people go fucking nuts. I know. It's a haunted. We're almost through the instances. Oh, okay. We're still not done. No, we're only in 1937. Oh, my God. In 1937. Oh, I already said that. We're only in 1940. <laughs> In 1940, director Margaret Webster got appendicitis and her fill-in Judith Anderson got laryngitis. And then just before the production was to be performed for the U.S. Army, they came down with acute tonsillitis. God, I'm so glad I don't have tonsils. I mean, that just doesn't seem that bad compared to like drumming a man to death. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or like accidentally stabbing a man in an eye. Yeah. But I decided eye. to leave it in there because... Yeah. You know, that's their new normal. Like, everyone can only experience the suffering that they experience. Right. I'm not going to, like, take away. Oh, I'm not going to be like, you got laryngitis. Well, one time I had to give birth. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, that's just not fair. And that's a great lesson, I think, in general. You know, yeah. pain and suffering are subjective. So right. if you uh, got run over by a tractor and mm-hmm. somebody else uh, got run over by a jumbo jet, your pain is equal. Yeah. Well, I think the jumbo well. jet might be worse. <laughs> In 1942, a production headed by John Gilgood suffered three deaths in the cast. The actor playing Duncan and two of the actresses who were playing the Weird Sisters, one of whom collapsed while was on stage. And then the suicide of the costume and set designer John Minton. Oh, my God. This play makes people crazy. In 1947, actor Harold Norman was stabbed in the sword fight that ends the play, and then he died as a result of his wounds. His ghost is said to haunt the Coliseum Theater in Oldham, United Kingdom, where the fatal blow was struck. And supposedly, his spirit appears on Thursdays, which was the day he was killed, and one of the most haunted days of the week, because <laughs> Thursday, it's not Thursdays. quite the weekend. Yeah. Also, oh, that too. Yeah. yeah. Thursday, Thursdays, if you don't know what that is, it's no time to explain. It's, yeah. 
Now, in 1948, Diana Winnard was playing Lady Macbeth at the Stratford and decided to play the sleepwalking scene with her eyes actually closed. Why? On opening night, she fell 15 feet from the stage onto the orchestra pit. But she picked herself up and finished the show. Wow. I know. Good job. Diane Winters? Is that what you said? Her name is Diana Winnard. Diana Winnard, good for you. See, maybe the curse can also give you, like, demonic strength. strength. Yeah. yeah. In 1953, Charlton Heston starred in an open-air production in Bermuda. First, the actor was badly injured in a motorcycle accident during the rehearsals. But then, on opening night, Charlton Heston suffered severe burns on his groin and leg area <gasps> from tights that were, quote, accidentally soaked in kerosene. What the fuck? Also, the wind that night was so strong that when a dummy representing Lady Macbeth was tossed off the stage to show her leaping to her death, the dummy was blown right back onto the stage and smoke and flames from torches carried by the soldiers storming Macbeth's castle were blown into the audience, which caused the audience to run away in severe panic. What is up with everything catching on fire in olden town times, olden town times? Because they use real fire. I, well, also, was everything just made out of matches? And also, <laughs> how like how are your tights accidentally soaked in kerosene? I don't know. How does that happen? I don't know. That's like if I was walking around and then my pants catch on fire and I'm like oh I guess it <laughs> accidentally I put a bunch of like lighter fluid on it that doesn't happen I know Macbeth Macbeth in 1955 Olivier was starring in the title role in a pioneering production at Stratford during the big fight with Macduff he almost blinded his fellow actor Keith Mitchell it doesn't say how he blinded him it just says he almost did wow well, at least it was avoided. At least he didn't stab his co-star really, through the heart. Compared to getting drummed to death by like yeah. voodoo's, I feel like these are all these are pretty tame. Yeah, yeah. Like you, honestly, yes. <laughs> the drumming someone to death is like the peak of hauntedness. Like I know. Hey, this person wrote a bad review. That would be like if I chose to hex the person that, that left, left us a us bad a-, <laughs> uh, a bad Apple podcast I review know. by drumming them to death, which I would never do. In a production in St. Paul in 1970, the actor George Astroka was playing Macbeth and he dropped dead of heart failure during the first scene of Act Two. Oh, that's scary. I just chomped on a piece of ice if you guys heard that. Sorry. Wow, you're really going to take away from George Ostroka's no. death who had That's heart too failure real. on stage? That's too fucking real. Like, that could happen to any of us at any time. I think about that all the time. That's one of my greatest fears is just like, there's nothing you can do about it. You know what I, I mean? Know. One second you're just walking down the road. The next second you have a heart attack and you're dead. I know. This building could just collapse on no. us. No. Oh, my God. No. my anx- I thought I'd done so much work on my anxiety and this episode is just bringing it all back. In 1988, the my Broadway so production sweaty. starring Glenda Jackson and Christopher Plummer is supposedly to have gone through three directors, five actor changes, six cast changes, six stage managers, two set designers, two lighting designers, 26 bouts of flu, torn ligaments, and groin injuries. What is up with groin injuries as well? Everyone's dicks are catching on fire. <laughs> In 1998, in the off-Broadway production starring Alec Baldwin and Angela Bassett, Baldwin somehow sliced open the hand of his Macduff. And what of the curse itself, Alyssa? Yeah. 
What of the curse itself? I know, I'm very nervous. I also I'm drinking caffeine as you're telling me this, so I'm just sweating and nervous. And I know I told now, Alyssa I thought this caffeine was fake. I, I went to fake. a cafe that I think was just a front. I don't know if it was a real business or not. And I got us coffees from there. <laughs> I just always remember the time you lived in Glendale in a closet and mm-hmm. I went to visit you mm-hmm. and I got there too early. And so you were like, I don't know where you were in your closet, I guess, <laughs> asleep. <laughs> and I walked around the neighborhood and I went into what I thought was a bakery that was absolutely a front for a bakery because you walk in and all the shelves are just empty. And there yeah. was one bag of like Vaughn's cookies. Right. And I was like, went up to the lady and I bought the bag of cookies and she was so confused about why I was even there and I'm like is this not a bakery yeah actually the area that I lived in in Glendale was host to a certain mafia I'm not going to say the name of which one in case they <laughs> listen to this and come kill me but there were lots of fronts everywhere like cell phone stores that only had like products from yes. like five years ago no as an Armenian you places. can say okay. you can say that it was the Armenian mafia <laughs> and I will not be offended because it was absolutely a front for an Armenian Armenian bakery it was yeah. not and yes. I, I was walking through so confused right there yeah there was tons of that and, th- and also secondly I want to say that the closet that I lived in although it was a closet it had an it attached was bathroom yeah it wasn't that big like it couldn't for fit a, a closet queen size bed. okay yeah. but for a closet it, <laughs> it was, was a big, big closet right I guess that's looking at the glass half full yeah it was like one of those if you guys have ever lived in a place where you have a room that has a walk-in closet that you can walk through to a bathroom Natalia lived in the closet that you can walk through to the bathroom so she had her own bathroom yeah that was the time that I was uh auditioning only you guys my rent was seven hundred dollars a month now that might sound high depending what areas of the that country that is you're so in. fucking that cheap is in LA so cheap yeah yeah and it was especially for having your own bathroom it was so cheap yeah but yeah. also one time I came out of that <laughs> oh god one time I came out of my shower and I felt like a tickling on my back no and I thought it was just like a string on my towel or something. Oh and I God. turned and looked in the mirror and it was a cockroach <gasps> on my back. I have died. I screamed. I, I'm deceased. I screamed so loud and I ran out and my two roommates were just like, what happened? And I was like, there was a cockroach on my back. And they all just said, oh, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry that like that happened, that we but live also, here. That it's, we're but moving what are you forward. Do? Yeah. yeah. This is just a normal part of our lives. Wow. Anyways, <laughs> but what of the curse of Macbeth itself? Now, I find it interesting that this curse permeates popular culture as well, Alyssa. Yes. So, but we're not going to talk about popular culture. We're going to talk about the manager. Unpopular culture. Exactly. We're going to talk about a man who is the access manager at the Globe Theater in London, okay. which has been around since 1606, even though it burned to the ground at one point. Haunted. Possibly because of Macbeth. Anything, as we've discussed on this show, anything older than 100 years is haunted. It's just, it's, yeah. Throw it away. Right. Start over. Yeah. Yeah. If you live to be 100, cut Start it off over. There. Get reincarnated. <laughs> yeah. So... David says, I was a dancer on the tour in Riverdance, and a school friend of mine had died. To cheer me up, the fiddle player bought me a beautiful, complete works of Shakespeare. We were flicking through it, and another friend said, I studied Macbeth at school. And I told her it was bad luck to say Macbeth, and I joked that I should make you go outside, turn around three times, and spit on the floor. I didn't. And then in that night's show, two of the violinists' strings snapped spontaneously. One woman fell off the stage, and another woman danced straight into a wall and knocked herself unconscious. All right, that's... 
kind I of hilarious. told my friend never say it again. I know, especially since it was river dance. I feel like that would be something I would do. Like you're just really into your river dance and you're like going hard. You're going ham. And then all of a sudden you just run like headfirst into a wall. Now, the cleansing ritual. Oh, lastly, to Ari Aster, who was the writer and director of Hereditary, the movie, mm-hmm. said that during filming, Alex Wolfe told him not to say the name of William Shakespeare's Scottish play out loud. The Scottish play is another word for Macbeth. Because of some superstitions in the theater. And I smugly announced the name. And then right afterwards, one of our lights burst during the shooting of a scene. Oh, my God. It's real. Now, the cleansing ritual, as you may have surmised, is that you go outside the theater, you turn around three times, and you spit over your left shoulder. You swear, or you can recite a line from another one of Shakespeare's plays. Any any line? People like to choose, like, uh, like lines that are more happy. Like, they're not going to go outside and be like, death, come <laughs> at me, or whatever. Yeah. Or, like, to be, you're not to be, you don't want to, like, piss off the curse, right? Right. So people will say, angels and ministers of grace defend us from Hamlet. Or if we shadows have offended um, from a midsummer night's dream. Or fair thoughts and happy hours attend on you from the Merchant of Venice. I think that one's good. Fair thoughts and happy hours attend on you. Now, I just want to point out here that I, different people have different ideas of what the cleansing ritual is. And one of them is that you say the worst curse word you can think of when you go okay. outside. Now, the worst curse word I can think of is a racial slur. So <laughs> I'm super glad that that's not like, that wasn't a thing when right. I had to do it. Right. Otherwise, I would have gotten canceled. Oh, wait, you literally, you have to say the worst thing you can think of? That's, that's some people think part of the cleansing ritual is. Oh. So, but some people say, oh, you can just say like some lines from another one of Shakespeare's yeah. plays. Some people say you have to go outside the theater, turn around, uh, spin around three times, spit over your shoulder. Yeah. Some people say you also have to say a curse word. Because I'm because like if if to lift the curse, you have to say the worst fucking thing you can think of. Then that means if you hold back and say like the second worst thing you can think it of, won't it doesn't work. Right. I know. And oh my the worst God. thing I can oh. think of is a racial slur. And I don't want to say that out loud. Oh, I this know. is adding a whole other level. Now. Yes. What is your... Would you say you're interested in the origin of this curse? I, You know, Natalia, as you were telling me about this, I could not help but think in my hot brain. <laughs> I couldn't help but think, now, how would this curse have been brought about? Because on the show, we've talked about curses before. And there seems to have to be some sort of like thing that puts everything into motion. An origin story. An origin story, if you will. In this case, we look to the very first performance of the play all the way back to 1606. Now, Allie, do you know what was happening in England in 1606? There, I, you know what? There was probably a fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb, say a chimney sweep was sweeping too hard. And the matches on the end of his broom caught fire and then burned down a chimney that then burned down another chimney that then burned down all of London. I can't confirm or deny, but I'm going to confirm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was motherfucking witches and also Whoa. Shakespeare. Now, we talked about this briefly in the Salem Witch Trials episode, but here's a recap. Yes. In the 16th century Scotland, there was this... Uh, King James the Sixth of Scotland, and he was notorious for his witch hunts. He was obsessed with uh, witchcraft and death and and dark magic. Now, why was he obsessed with witches? You ask? Because he couldn't get laid. 
<laughs> because on his uh, because his mother Mary Queen of Scots was executed in 1587 yes. by beheading for treason and yes. her death was thought to have inspired James's dark fascination with magic now afterwards when James was a little older in his 20s he visited Denmark um, with his wife at the time his new wife and the Denmark at the time was a country which was having witch hunts and it's really sparked an interest in the study of witchcraft in our King James. And afterwards, he considered witchcraft theology. And it ended up even going on and writing a book about it called Demonology, which we've referenced before. Oh. And Shakespeare actually uses as one of his sources. But after he comes back from Denmark, here's what sealed his interest in witches. His ship is going across the sea. He's just come back from uh, Denmark. He's all hyped up on witch hunts and shit. And then a storm yeah. comes along. And almost drowns him and his new wife. Wow. Now, James believed that evil spells that came from witches conjured the storm. And he returned to Scotland and he enacted a witch hunt in the coastal town of North Berwick. Now, the North Berwick witch trials followed. And the witch trials were the first major persecution of witches in Scotland under the Witchcraft Act of 1563, which made both the practice of witchcraft and consulting with witches capital offenses. When James attended this North Berwick witch trials, he personally supervised the torture of women being accused of witches. Oh. And several people were convicted of using witchcraft to send storms against James's ship. Most notably, a woman named Agnes Sampson, who confessed under torture that her body was shaved. Uh, who confessed <laughs> under torture that her body had a, a witch's mark on it and she caused the ship to go under what is a witch's mark shaving your vagina is that what you're trying to tell me right now so a witch's mark i'm very glad you asked is also known as a devil's mark or a witch's teat and it's basically a mark somewhere on a witch's body that the devil leaves and it's said that like at night if it's a witch's teat specifically a witch's familiars or her imp which is like her little devil will come and suckle from it or sometimes the devil when he comes to visit her at night will suckle from it pretty fucking gross right but it could also just be a scar from where or the like devil... a birthmark yes it could be a scar <laughs> Eliza. this is real okay? I, i'm i'm skeptical it could be a scar where the devil uh scratches you when he first took your soul and signed you into his coven of witches but basically this woman under torture confessed that well she had i would one. confess to most things under torture i know you guys when I was giving birth, I would have done fucking anything yeah. to make it so stop. If someone right. was like, did you cause 9-11? I would have been like, yeah, I fucking did it. Yeah, take this pain away immediately. Yes. I am the one right. who flew the plane. But anyway, <laughs> but anyways, the king of Scotland was like, yep, this all seems legit. She's a fucking witch. Witches are real. I'm going to write a book about them. And he wrote a treatise on witchcraft, which inspired more persecution against witches. More women died under torture, oaths, et cetera, et cetera. OK. OK. Now, additionally, in 1604, two years before Macbeth debuted, a, this uh, this play called Dr. Faustus was published. And in this book, in this play, rather, Dr. Faustus sells his soul to start practicing magic. And it's really like the story of someone going off the path of goodness into the devil's wake. Okay. And 
on stage, it is said that when the pe- the actors playing the devils showed up on stage, people in the audience were so terrified by this that they went mad forever and never healed <laughs> from it because they thought that they were seeing actual devils on stage. So that's the world we're living in in 1606, yeah, okay? Is- yeah. My point being that people are really fucking scared of witches. They're superstitious as fuck. It's super real. And, you know, like to see a witch on stage or to see a devil on stage or to see any sort of occult or anything like that would have been terrifying. Like the scariest yeah. shit you could see. Well, sure. I mean, if I saw the devil himself materialize on stage, I would shit my pants. But I think in the 1600s, maybe since plays were fairly new. Yeah. Maybe they just didn't realize, like, no, that's an actor. I think that it was just so taboo to talk about the devil that the thought of someone dressing up oh, like it was demonic one, in and of itself. Yes, exactly. Got you. So Got they would you. have been like, either this is a real devil or the devil possessed this person to dress up like him. Yeah. Okay. You know? I get that. Yeah. It was super haunted. So now why is the play so cursed? You were asking me telepathically. Yes, I'm asking. Yes. Well, it turns out, according to the legend of Macbeth, William Shakespeare used an actual witch's incantation in the play, which pissed oh. off a covenant of witches so they put a curse on the play others say that the witches became angry that the spells were incomplete and they cursed the play to exact their revenge so anyone who says the name Macbeth out loud in the theater will be cursed so let us say that in today's language William Shakespeare cast non-witch actors to play witches and then he appropriated witch culture by having the actors chant a real witch's song so the witches canceled Shakespeare by cursing <laughs> his play so that he could not collect revenue on their culture. Would you say that's correct? That sounds correct to me. Yes. Well, that's fucked up on a lot of different levels. Right. And as you know, if you've studied Shakespeare, it's all of his plays are written in iambic pentameter, which is like a five beat like uh, a song melody, I should say. But all of the witches lines in the play are actually in uh, tetrameter, which is a four rhythmic beat to each line. So people say that Shakespeare's verses who by the witches were actually not his own words like he was kind of telling us that like hey these are real incantations these are real oh, wow. real things that i didn't write because his famous iambic pentameter was it's not, not used. present okay yes. oh that's really interesting yes and um bellwood who is the director uh, or the access manager at the globe theater also said that shakespeare would have gathered all of his ideas for the play from things that were actually going on then he would have actually been exposed to people who did like witchcraft right like people who did herbal medicines and people who did incantations and spells and things like that like those would have been real things because people were going to jail for that all the time people were getting killed for that all the time right also like i said again portraying witchcraft on stage was super scary in 1606 because people believed that this was fucking real i mean i would be terrified if i went to some stage play and they started playing with a ouija board or oh, something oh for yeah real. i see what you're saying you yeah. know it would be so scary or they played the three kings game from yes. episode 80 yeah now on do you, stage do you know what the witches t- chant from uh shakespeare's Macbeth is i don't you might is it double toil and trouble that's exactly is what, that it, what is. it is yes and i am actually going to play you something very special right now Uh-oh. so that you can hear how it was popularized do you know what this is from is this from that movie that sarah jessica parker's in it's harry potter oh it's harry potter Carlton, Bobble, double, double, and trouble. this way comes 
We're only going to play 16 seconds of that. Because so we that, don't want a copyright yeah, strike. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so tell me your thoughts on that. The whole thing is wild to me. I like I, I'm trying to think of like what one thing jumps out at me more than anything else. And I can't. It's like the whole I think it would be one thing if there was this alleged curse. Right. And then the curse is just like, oh, the play doesn't go very well. Right. Or it's not well received. But, it's like but people because people dying. are actually dying and being stabbed mm-hmm. and throwing themselves off of balconies right. during the production. And like the origins come from the murder of women who were thought to be practicing witchcraft. Like that, it just, it's too haunted. It's mm-hmm. too haunted for me to not believe. Well, I'm, I'm going to now play for you the witch's spell, the real incantation that people think actually cursed this play because it's, it's a real... Like this dark is a magic real, ritual. Okay. Right? Oh no, I don't want to hear it. Oh, you no. have to. Oh. This is called the Witch's Spell, and it's read by William. Or it's read by T- Tom O'Bedlam. And um, actually, if you're driving, I suggest you don't listen to this because his voice, as you will see, is like hauntingly, just like will put you right to sleep. But I've never like heard it, it done oh, this God. way so well. So I'm gonna play this for Alyssa and you guys. Thrice the brinded cat hath mewed. Thrice and once the hedge pig whined. Harpier cries, tis time, tis time. Round about the cauldron go. No. In the poisoned entrails throw. No. Toad the tender cold stone, days and nights as thirty-one. Sweltered venom, sleeping gods, whirled out first to the charmed parts. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble. Fill it of a fenny snake, in the cauldron boil and bake. I of newt and toe of frog, wool of bat and tongue of dog, adder's fork and blind worm's sting, lizard's leg and owlet's wing, for a charm of powerful trouble, like a hell broth boil and bubble, double, double toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble, scale of dragon, tooth of wolf, witch's mummy, moor and gulf, of the ravined salt sea shark, Root of hemlock, digged in the dark. Liver of blaspheming Jew. Gall of goat and slips of you. Silvered in the moon's eclipse. Nose of Turk and Tartar's lips. Finger of birth strangled babe. Ditch delivered by a drab. Make the gruel thick and slab. Add her to a tiger's children. For the ingredients of our cauldron. Double, double, toil and trouble. Fire burn and cauldron bubble. Cool it with the baboon's blood. Then the charm is firm and good. So, this so that's is a real, real... That's what they say. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a fucking 1600 witch. Yeah, I'm not Shakespeare. Witch. Yeah, so You know, I'm... I'm not Shakespeare. I don't know. I, I, I'm not around people who do witchcraft that's like bad like to me witchcraft is like oh we're gonna take all of our manifestations for a great year <laughs> and then we're gonna say what we're grateful for we're gonna put our crystals in the moonlight yeah and exactly then tomorrow i put it in my bra and i walk around and i feel good yes feminine goddess queen yeah this is like i'm hearing like i'm i'm hearing like racist uh like animal torturer witchcraft and i don't i'm not familiar with that 
in LA. I'm not have not been exposed to that kind of witchcraft. So imagine if this is like if we really believe in this curse, we really believe that that's a real incantation that which is actually used to curse people. Right. To make their lives fucking living hell, to drown a fucking someone out at sea or whatever. Yeah. You know, and to get a lot of those ingredients like um, I don't you heard blaspheming Jew in there. Yeah. Like a nose of Turk. I heard. Yeah. yeah. Like what the fuck? Yeah. And also as as you because at the beginning it doesn't start with people body parts. It starts with like eye of newt and like leg of lizard. And I was thinking to myself. Like, I, I know a ton of vegan witches, yeah. so I'm like, well, okay, what would the equivalent be? But I guess if it's dark magic, well, I, w- I wouldn't those, know anyone. Some of those aren't what they are. Oh. So, like, the eye of a newt is actually a mustard seed. Oh, okay. But some of them are what they are. Yeah. Some of them are actually the nose of a Turk, I think. Yeah, and I heard, like, a piece of a mummy yeah. in there, and I'm An thinking... An owlet's wing. Yeah, you'd have to, like, dig up a body. A baby a- that was that was strangled at birth's finger. Like, so you're taking, like, a, a oh. fetus's finger? or Right. It reminds me of um, the Bella and the Witch Elm episode when we talked about dark magic that yes. involves, like, cutting off the hand of a hanged man, a hanged right. criminal, and using that to then be able to unlock doors and the hand of glory the hand of glory i'm on the hand of glory and i'm hanging on, on the, the hand, hand of glory <laughs> <laughs> so now ali we're gonna educate everyone about yes. what Macbeth is actually about educate it's been me. a few years do you remember what it's about no I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest i don't perfect so some say Macbeth is a play about ambition some say it's a play about the abuse of power Some say it's a play about witchcraft and evil. Some say it's a play about death. And others say it's a play about guilt. But let's see what you think the play is about as I summarize the play Macbeth right here, right now for you all. You're welcome. I'm amped. The show opens with three witches who foreshadow the rest of the play. When shall we three meet again? In thunder, lightning, or in rain? When the hurly-burly's done, when the battle's lost and won. That will be ere the set of sun. Where's the place? Upon the heath. There to meet with Macbeth. I come, Grey Malkin, paddock calls. Anon. Fair is foul and foul is fair. Hover through the fog and filthy air. And they leave. Okay. Now, to translate that, a gray malkin is a gray cat, a paddock is a toad, and anon means immediately. So essentially, this play opens with these three witches saying, when are we going to meet again in thunder, lightning, or in rain? And then they're like, when the hurly-burly's done. So they're referencing the thunder, lightning, and in rain is is referencing the tempest that took uh, James's ship under. And they actually say in a few other times in the play reference to like a storm brewing. Okay. So Shakespeare is basically saying, yes, which did cause the ship of King James to go under and then they're like okay we're gonna meet up again when Macbeth comes along then the famously they say fair is foul and foul is fair which is basically their way of saying that like they have no moral compass okay like fairness is foul to them and foulness is fair to them then the witches disappear Now, we open up on 11th century in a dark and dreary, drippy, gray Scotland. Scotland at this time is engaged in constant turmoil as the army keeps repeatedly having to conquer invaders because everyone wants to take over Scotland because of its proximity next to England. 
Now, in the Scottish army, there's a set of generals who has just defeated two of these invading armies. They're exhausted. They're covered in blood. They're tired. They're Their crotches are on fire. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And one of those generals is named Banquo, and the other is named Macbeth. Now, Macbeth and Banquo are crossing a moor when three very strange old women appear in front of them. And these women are described as having beards and other androgynous features. And they're quoted as being, quote, not like the inhabitants of the earth, end quote. And the witches give him a prophecy. Now, Allie, what do you think the witches prophesize? I think they're going to say that something bad's going to happen to him if he doesn't do something. And then he's not going to do that thing. And then something bad happens close actually they tell him some really good things are going to happen to him right so they tell Macbeth that first he's going to be promoted twice he's going to be promoted to the Thane of Cawdor which is a rank of the aristocracy that's bestowed upon by grateful kings which makes sense because Macbeth just destroyed two armies that were going to invade Scotland so the king was grateful to him he's basically going to be like hey you did me a solid I'm upgrading you to this new title where you're going to make more money and you're going to get more bitches okay okay got it now, can you guess what the second promotion the witches prophesize he's going to have? He's he going to become king? Yes. Really? He's going to become the king of Scotland. Wow. But now, weirdly enough, the witches also say that his friend Banquo's descendants will be kings, but Banquo will not. Now, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because if Macbeth becomes kings, his descendants should be kings, not Banquo's, Unless right? he marries Banquo and Banquo is his queen and then Banquo's descendants are going to become the king. Fuck, I never thought of that before. Someone needs to write that play. Yeah, they do. Modern play. So probably they think those were not even witches. Those were just three crackheads. Like, <laughs> we don't need to listen to them. They, they, we don't know what the fuck their deal right, is, yeah. right? So then Mac, uh, Macbeth and Banquo leave. Now, upon Macbeth and Banquo's return home, the king of Scotland, whose name is King Duncan, he names Macbeth Thane of Cawdor as a reward, just like the witches said would happen. So now this is exactly what the witches said would happen, right? So now Macbeth is all turned up on the idea of being king of Scotland, and this new promotion supports the prophecy. But the last part of the prophecy about Banquo's descendants being kings is not good for Macbeth. It means something might happen to Macbeth. We just don't know what. Right. Or maybe he's infertile and he doesn't end yeah. up having children. Right. Which which is horrible for him. Yeah. Well, back in the day, there was honestly, there was nothing worse. Yeah. I've read so many stories about like, I think Mary, Queen of Scots, that's why she was executed. It was not because she committed treason. It was because like she couldn't give a male heir or something well, to the throne. So it was used as an excuse. Ja- King James was her male heir, but they were oh. separated at birth. And like they, he, she, <laughs> Mary Queen of Scots, like lived in a little cottage, like far away from the castle. That, and, and she supposedly was constantly trying to kill Queen Elizabeth. And like weird things would happen. Like, uh, like someone who was going to take her position would just like miraculously explode. There would be like a random <laughs> spontaneously explosion. Combust. Yeah. We talked about it in my high school world history class um but yeah like she was sketch for sure (laughs) so after this Macbeth goes home and he tells his wife about the prophecy and how it seems fake but that the first part already came true because he got promoted to Thane of Cawdor now Lady Macbeth is not playing fucking games she's like are you fucking kidding three (laughs) or three old ass ladies with spindly hands told you you were gonna be king let's fucking go right yeah I'm trying to get rich or die trying bro like I'm about to be a whole ass queen on some capes and thrones type shit so basically, Lady Macbeth believes the witches, so she vows to help Macbeth become king by whatever means. And as yeah. you can guess, it's not going to be good. No. 
Now, the first thing she does also is she challenges Macbeth's manhood for not wanting to ki- kill the king. She's like, oh, what? You're a pussy? You yeah. don't want to kill the king? Your uh, dick th- doesn't work? Yeah, yeah. Like, what happened to your balls, bro? Yeah. You know? So what do you think happens next? I think he pr- tries to kill the king. Exactly. The king of Scotland, miraculously, King Duncan, decides to go to Macbeth's castle for dinner in Inverness to congratulate him for being a good soldier. And then they get drunk and fuck. I'm sorry, what? Just kidding. They didn't fuck. They didn't fuck, but they could have. They could have. It could have gone a different way. If Macbeth didn't plan the murder of the king. Always fuck instead of murder. (laughs) So Macbeth and Lady Macbeth charged up on greed and basically telling Macbeth that he isn't a man if he doesn't kill the king gets King Duncan's chamberlains super, super drunk. So they black out and then they stab the king to death. But Lady Macbeth has to actually do it because Macbeth starts feeling really really guilty already and he just starts losing it and he's like hallucinating and he's getting scared so she's like whatever give me the dagger she kills the king then she takes the bloody daggers and she puts them on the blacked out chamberlains now in the morning this rich nobleman guy named Macduff shows up and he discovers the dead king Duncan in the drunk chamberlains with the daggers and blood all over them and um, Lady Macbeth and Macbeth are like what (laughs) what happened oh no the king is dead The Chamberlains are drunk with bloody daggers all over them. No, I loved that king. Oh, my God. He was my best friend. I'm so angry. The king got murdered. Who could have foreseen this? (laughs) Let's murder the guards of the castle for letting the king that came over that I love so much die and everyone's like wait let's ask the guards what happened like we don't need to murder them just yet and they're like oh sorry we already murdered them because we're so angry and then and then everyone's just kind of like okay this seems really sketch especially mcduff he's like not buying any of this he does he's just calling bullshit but he can't outright say that because he's in the presence of two murderers you know yeah so then he leaves and King Duncan's sons hear about the murder of King Duncan and how sketch it sounds. And they're like, fuck this. We're leaving. So they go away from Scotland because they're afraid they're going to get killed next. Now, what happens next? What do you think happens next? I think that Macbeth is going to try to rise to power. Yes. That's exactly what happens. Now, Macbeth, in order to keep the prophecy in his favor of him becoming king, he thinks that he has to kill Banquo and Banquo's son, Fleance. Oh, yeah, because the spindly old witch ladies with the beard said that his ancestors would become king. Banquo's ancestors would become king. Right. So he pays people to ambush Banquo on their way to this royal feast. And they fail to kill Fleance, who just escapes into the night, but they do kill Banquo. And Macbeth is so pissed off about this because he's like, as long as Fleance is alive. The lineage continues. Yeah, the lineage continues. So the prophecy could still be right and I could still end up not being king or my descendants won't be king. So at the feast that night, Banquo's ghost visits Macbeth and Macbeth is like torn up about this this was his friend yeah this was his friend he went into battle with this person they were bonded for life like that was his bro they went yeah they went through like a PTSD experience together yes exactly and Macbeth is like not okay like he gets really drunk he's seeing the ghost he doesn't know if he's drunk or it's a real ghost which can't be fun no and meanwhile there's all these like noblemen at the feast who are just seeing him like drunkenly talking to a wall the ghost of Banquo and he 
he's like the new king of Scotland. Yeah. So does not inspire confidence. Exactly. And all the nobles and subjects are like they know something's up. They they're like not happy with Macbeth. So Macbeth is frightened by this ghost and he goes to visit the witches again because he's like, you guys got to help me. Like, what do I do? Now, the witches there show him a sequence of demons and spirits who present him with further prophecies. Number one, he must beware of Macduff, who was the guy who was like, this sounds fake. Yeah. Yeah. He's a Scottish nobleman who opposed Macbeth's accession to the throne. Right. And number two, Macbeth is incapable of being harmed by any man born of a woman. And number three, he will be safe. Until Wait, he's any man born of a woman. Isn't that all everyone, everyone ever? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Seems safe. Right? Yeah. Like he's invincible. Now, he'll also be safe until Burnham Wood comes to Dusanane Castle. Burnham Wood is a type of wood in a forest that wasn't anywhere near Dusanane Castle. So he's okay. like, wood Wood can't like come, like trees can't walk. Yeah. I'm going to be fine, right? So now Macbeth feels good. He's like, no person born of a woman can get me. No trees are going to walk up and get me. Like, I'm good. Even though I'm seeing this ghost, everything's going to be fine. Um, but then he learns that Macduff has fled to England to join Malcolm, who is one of Duncan's sons that had fled away. And they're creating an army up against him. But he but he still doesn't care. He's like, who fucking cares? Like, you guys can't get me. You're born of women, whatever. What happens next, do you think? He dies. Really close. Lady Macbeth is meanwhile losing her mind she keeps like hallucinating and feeling guilt and feeling whatever the fuck she's feeling over killing all these people and she's yeah. super fucking stressed out because now all she cares about is this stupid prophecy she has no other goals or dreams or ambitions and she keeps saying out damned spot like there's a like she thinks that there's blood on her palms on her literally mm-hmm. and she can't get it out and she's hallucinating that there's spots on her hands that are the blood of the people that she's killed and she keeps saying out damned spot and people are like there's something wrong with her well eventually she ends up killing herself because she's so stressed out oh about this God. and then when Macbeth learns that his wife has killed um has killed herself he's obviously super torn up about that too you know and like it seems like everything's just going backwards like he's got to be king but now at what cost yeah right so now what happens is Macduff and Malcolm end up bringing armies to uh, Macbeth and Macbeth is still like oh they can't get me but he learns that their shields are made out of Burnham wood (gasps) and now he's like fuck fuck well, but how is someone who's not born of a woman going to get me yeah and then as he's battling on the field he learns that Macduff was not of woman born, but instead was, quote, untimely ripped from his mother's womb, which we now know is a C-section. Yes, exactly. And at this point, Macbeth realizes he's going to die. Um, Macduff cuts off his head, and then he holds his head up on the stage for all to see. And that is the end of Macbeth. Damn. Now, the themes that are in this play are like a false belief in safety, right? And like playing with magic always ends poorly because mm-hmm. fair is foul and foul is fair. And it's just a, the it's danger a, of power, the danger of power. It's something that I think like really translates to today as well. Like mm-hmm. there's always going to be an For abuse sure. of power, um, guilt, you know, tyranny, like all of these things. It's like a very haunted play. And it was um, something that at the time was very like at the forefront of people's minds. Yeah. I mean, you know, like there are be no like, shortcuts to power. There's no shortcuts to life. Right. Like you have to go through life playing fair. Otherwise, if you try to take shortcuts, you fucking die. Like, 
put it this way. If there was a play or a movie, let's say, let's modernize it. If there was a movie that came out and just like did so well in the box office and it was literally about the pandemic and it came out right now. Now, after the pandemic ends, would you ever want to fucking watch that movie again? I currently don't want to watch anything about the pandemic. So yeah, because no. it's real. Like yeah. we're living through it's it. It's too real. It's horrible. So how could something like that not be cursed? Yeah. You know? And um, I also profiting off of tragedy is always just like a bad vibe central. Like, I don't want to see anything about the pandemic right now because we're living through it and it fucking sucks and I people know. are dying. Yeah. And so it seems cheesy and inappropriate to like be like, oh, this is a movie about how two people meet on Zoom. Yeah. Uh, and fall in love. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear about that. Oh, my that. God. Wait, but that sounds great. I think there is like a show that Netflix tried to do about that that really? nobody watched because everyone was like, this is too real. And then they meet in person. And it I, turns I don't out... know how it ended. Right. Yeah. OK. Well, my point being is that a lot of the curse seems to stem from the fact that the play itself was actually evil because a lot of the play dealt with real things that were happening in the world at the time i'm having really bad deja vu right now just so you know which is a bad isn't that oh like gosh. a bad omen it means we've been here before yeah but actually it could be bad it could be good it okay. means that we're on the path that we're supposed to take but is this path a cursed path to hell i don't know seems like it i'm having a lot of deja vu at this time, witches were super real. So real that in 1590, only 16 years before Macbeth was first performed, the North Berwick witch trials took place where demonology was published. And in Macbeth, the three witches discussed the raising of winds in the, at sea in the opening lines of Act 1, Scene 3, like I talked about before. Right. Also, Shakespeare's sources were real, actual, nonfiction texts of the day. So essentially, this play was dealing with real shit, like I just said. Yeah. And Shakespeare's sources included a um, demonology that King James published in 1597, which also included a news pamphlet titled News from Scotland that detailed the famous North Berwick witch trials of 1590. And I'm going to have you read it. Um, okay. uh, read this thing that Shakespeare used for the play called The Discovery of Witchcraft. Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft. You can go ahead and read okay. that there. My hands are sweaty. I apologize. I'm very nervous. <laughs> okay. Also... Wh um, for Alyssa's credit, this is written in like super haunted old English <laughs> where there's like P's or S's and F's or whatever the fuck. Yeah, there's an E at the end of everything. Yeah, yeah. so like if it sounds like she doesn't know how to read, it's that's not it. <laughs> Witches can raise and suppress lightning and thunder, rain and hail, clouds and winds, tempests and earthquakes. Others do write that they can pull down the moon and the stars. Some write that with wishing, they can send needles into the livers of their enemies. Some that they can transfer corn in the blade from one place to another. Some that they can cure diseases supernaturally, fly in the air and dance with devils. Some write that they can play the part of succubus and contract themselves to incubus. And so young prophets are upon them begot. Some say they can transubstantiate themselves and others and take the forms and shapes of asses, wolves, ferrets, cows, apes, horses, dogs, and some say they can keep devils and spirits in the likeness of toads and cats. So that was a nonfiction text of the day. That, okay. That was considered theology. Okay. Now, we're not a skeptic podcast, so what do we do? We just like are like, yeah, that yeah, seems that real. That seems like a, a lady in a forest with a cauldron 
yeah. is like brewing a potion mm-hmm. that causes death and, and storms it, to and brew. she has a toad for a pet which is can you guys make this pandemic end yes why that wow okay now i'm angry where are all of the modern witches and why are you guys not channeling your power into ending this pandemic sorry for being upset yes quit fucking channeling your power into like manifesting good vibes and fucking end this manifest or manifest manifest so many good vibes that this pandemic ends it manifests bad vibes towards the coronavirus. Right. I would like you to curse the coronavirus so that it is no longer contagious. I don't give a fuck what you guys do. I'm just trying to go to Chili's with yeah. my family. <laughs> I'm Can just trying to go happen? to Applebee's. Right? Can we please end this? So now, um, okay, I wrote here if there's time and then there's an article, but there's not time. So I'm only going to read you the name of the article because as I was researching, this article came up. And it's a talking point. Okay. It's by thewhiskeyjournal.com and it's called Study Finds Autism is Caused by Witches. No, Natalia, don't read this. I'm not going to. It's okay. just something that came up and I wanted to I wanted to look <laughs> into it. Now, what do you think of that? Uh, I See, think that's insensitive and fucked up. But it's, but it's, it's, is this a reputable source? What? So it seems like not the whiskey journal. No, it seems of like course not. People- Anyone. That's like people who think vaccines cause autism. It's like, you guys, the reason why it seems like we have more people diagnosed with autism nowadays is because we didn't used to have any metrics for diagnosing autism. We didn't right. even know it existed. So, so now it's more not people th- have it because we're diagnosing Right. It, it doesn't mean yeah. more people have it. It just means we're better at diagnosing it. It has right. nothing to do with vaccines, nothing to do with witches. I mean, my point being that I just think that that's a very, very funny idea that people are still to, to this, this day, day yeah, saying that witches are causing on, yeah. things. So it's really like, you know, what came first? The witches are, or, the, or the storms? The storms. Wow. You know, yeah. your guess is as good as mine. We were on, um, this actually reminds me real quick. We were on a river, a lazy river for um, Amy's bachelorette party. And I forget who said this while we were floating down the river all like lashed together yeah but someone was like hey i know this is stupid but can someone explain to me why this river has a current like what causes currents <laughs> is it the wind and i was just thinking yeah you know what comes first right. the wind or the current what comes first i know the witch weird. or the storm is it all going downhill a little bit i honestly i was just trying not to die that whole experience <laughs> i was like in the sun bouncing off of rocks because i was like the end inner tube so i'm just like slamming into tree branches and rocks and i'm getting torn up by mosquitoes and it just really goes to show there's so many unknowns do witches cause currents we don't know is it the gravitational pull of the moon that causes tides or is it the witch yeah or is the witch causing the moon to be there wow we can't say. Now, can't here say. are the theories. And they're not really theories. They're just talking points because there are no theories because the play is actually cursed whether you choose it to believe it or not. Right? Right. So really, instead of listing theories, we're just going to list all of the reasons that it's haunted. One, which is cursed the play because of the incantations and the depictions and themes revolving around death of witches. Yep. Like how the play references King James' obsession with killing witches. So witches are like, what the fuck? Witches are dying right now and you guys are just making light of it, making yeah. it play. Oh, good point. You yeah, know? you're burning us at the stake and yet you're featuring us in this normie play that you're making yeah. all kinds of money off of. Right. <sighs> William Shakespeare. Yeah, like if William. you even existed. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, also, number two, and to correct you, they didn't die at the stake. That's actually a myth, according to an article that I read. Most of them were hung. I'm sure some of them died at the stake. Right. Um, but a lot of them were hung. Now, number two, the play shows the reality of monarchies at the time. People are actually killed their friends, families, and even colleagues of the yeah. time to get power. I mean, King James's own mother, Mary Queen of Scots, was executed to keep her from killing her her successor. Successor. Her Cheshire cat. Her successor. Yes, right? Yes. Number three, according to some, William Shakespeare wrote the tragedy to ingratiate himself to King James I, who had succeeded Elizabeth I only a few years before, and he was obsessed with demonology and magic. But the curse struck, striked, struck, struck, struck. the curse struck, (laughs) because something seems to have afflicted Macbeth. It was... After Macbeth first played at the Globe Theater, it didn't play again for five years. So we can assume that the king didn't like it. Yeah. Now, number four. I mean, I said the pit versus the nobility at the Globe Theater. Here is a picture of the Globe Theater, which has now been rebuilt to the exact uh, parameters of the original. And you can look at those two pictures right there. Describe them. So the first picture. Wow. So the first picture I'm looking at is showing, um, it looks like it's three levels tall. Mm -hmm. There is a wooden stage. All of the levels have very ornate pillars, um, little balcony areas. It definitely looks old. Mm -hmm. And then the outside kind of looks like a barn or grain silo, in my opinion. It's like, um, it looks like very cottagey. It's white and it has wooden accents and thatch roof and thatch roof right yes um which is why it burned to the ground but makes sense so up the nobility and the peasants everyone would all be together the nobility would sit up higher in those covered like lofted areas and the pit was only like one penny to get in and it would be a bunch of rowdy people and those were the people that the play was really playing to because if the pit didn't like you they could literally end your life or your career if they one time got mad and ruined the set that no one else is going to hire you to be an actor they're like you fucking ruining all of our shit so that the play literally is about nobility and peasants and the the abuse of power by people who are uh, like nobles and the peasants are all just watching it in real time right there like they could riot afterwards they could you know it's haunted they and the pit would have understood all of the references of the abuse of power and evil kings and the nobility of the time would have understood it too and it would have just been fucking awkward like imagine leaving afterwards after you just see this play about like how basically like anyone who rises to power like is evil is evil and then you're just rubbing shoulders with some guy in like a dalmatian cape yeah now number six it's a tragedy who why do people make sad shit it's really sad and it just makes other people sad (sighs) yeah you know i yeah i don't know that's a good question i guess maybe to shed light on sad things that's why we publicize sad things but is it haunted like is listening to emo music in itself a Mm. sin because you're spreading more yeah sadness I listen to emo music. I was actually never mind. And this is, is that not why an interesting story. I was going to tell a little in- little story, and then I was like, "It's not interesting." I just listen to emo music on occasion. Um, okay, <laughs> I do too. But is, is that why we are here? Because I listen to My Chemical Romance. Romance. I, like, <laughs> I recently was walking my dog and listened to My Chemical Romance. Yeah. Is that why we now cannot afford to have our own? No. Although I will say that 
um, as like a, an angsty teenager, listening to angsty music only made me more angsty. I know. And so at a certain point, like there are still songs. Tell If anyone else has this problem, leave a comment. There are some songs that I cannot listen to to this day because it takes me back to a time yeah. when I was really sad. Right. So, yeah, if I were to listen to that, it just drags me back down to that time I was really sad or reminds me of a memory I had that I don't want to remember anymore. Yeah. And you as know? we know, with Mind Matter interaction, if enough people get sad at the same time, we change the trajectory of human stuff. Yeah. Of the global consciousness. Yeah. yeah. And the global consciousness. If you guys don't know what we're talking about. No time to explain. Go back and listen to the episode on Randonautica. Yeah. Yeah. So are is that why we are cursed? Because we're essentially spreading bad vibes? with this podcast i hope not i hope that you guys rather than get just bad vibes from this podcast i hope that you also get to laugh a little bit and um learn something new we mix in history right we do we mix in our own stupidity that people can laugh at yep yeah yeah so i hope it's not just like getting cursed getting haunted listening to haunted shit for two hours every week well, the real question is, now that we've done this episode, are, what's going to happen? I'm actually very nervous that when I drive home, I'm going to just like crash my car and die. Please don't do that. Yeah, that would suck. But then my ghost will come back and be your co-host. Oh, and no. And we can be the first podcast with a ghost host. That would be cool. That would be kind of cool. No, I think I'd rather just have yeah, you here. Yeah, I think <laughs> I'd rather not die. But on the off chance I do, next time you record after my death, leave this seat empty and see what happens. That's going to be such a sad podcast. I'm going to be like, hey, guys, uh, just to let you know, uh, Alyssa's not here anymore, but she said she yeah. said to record and leave her seat empty <laughs> and see what happens. Wow, we're laughing at yeah. this. Did up. you? That reminds me of like Houdini. When Houdini died, he, right, told, his wife. he told his wife, like, if there's any way for me to communicate with you from beyond the grave, I will do it. So come to my like grave right. every night. And if I can communicate with you, I will. And she said nothing happened. But I wonder if maybe she just didn't want to share what happened. Right. Because it was too personal. Or maybe she just didn't know what was happening. Right. She like maybe he was trying to communicate with her and she was like, these dishes just keep falling off this cabinet. I'm going to replace it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So what do you what do you think of the curse of Macbeth? Fucked up. Sounds really fucked up. No matter what the origin is, it sounds like and a curse to get semi deep. A curse is real as long as you give it power. Right. So as long as you keep believing that fucked up shit is going to happen when you say this word, mm-hmm. then you are going to keep finding fucked up shit happening around you because right. we're all haunted. So we can either choose to only focus on the haunted fucked up curse shit happening in our lives or we can see it for what it is and say, look, there's a lot of fucked up shit happening. There's also a lot of good shit happening. So as long as you're looking for haunted stuff, you're only going to find haunted stuff. I Wow, that's really well said. Thank you. I'm going to read my sources and then we can say goodbye and skedaddle on out of here. Ski, Go outside, turn around three times, spit, spit on, the, on floor. the ground if I have any spit in my mouth yeah. because I had a lot of caffeine and I'm really amped. <laughs> Wikipedia, an article on the Royal Shakespeare Theatre Company entitled The Curse of the Scottish Play. ShakespeareOnline.com, Sparknotes, an article entitled The Curse of Macbeth, Is It More Than Superstition?, Written on the 18th of October 2018 for Penguin Publishing. And also my um, extensive knowledge of theater from LMU. Getting my Bachelor's of Arts in Theater. Shout out Loyola Marymount University. Yes. Shout out Foley Building. I keep emailing them because Sapphire 
who is was a guest on our podcast. If you guys don't know, no time to explain. Go listen to Filipino folklore. She came on as a guest to talk about Filipino folklore. Um, she is a teacher at LMU now. She went went to LMU and she keeps she had emailed and was texting me and like you guys should try to get um an article about your podcast in the alumni magazine, like email this person, email this person. And I emailed and nobody has ever fucking responded to us. So maybe if we shout out LMU, they'll suddenly hear this and want us yeah. to do an alumni article. Yeah, about our I'll podcast. come all up back in there, even though y'all yeah. didn't like me when I was there. No, nobody liked us, but you know what? <laughs> <laughs> but now we're going to come back. That's right. Yeah. Guess what? I didn't like you. Oh, wait, no, now they won't feature us. I loved, I liked LMU. I had beef because I had a accommodation through the Americans with Disabilities Act for my various health issues and they did not honor any of that stuff ever. So that's yeah. my personal beef with them. Wow. Yeah. Well, you guys, you want to make it right? You want to make it right? We need an alumni article. Yeah. Yeah. Or we'll come talk to your students. Or else I'll come expose how you didn't follow the Americans with Disabilities Act when I went there. Well, you already have. I guess I already have. Yeah. I could go in more detail. Yeah. Feature us in an alumni article. Yes. Yes. All right. You want to do our sign now? Yeah. Um, BRB. Gotta go cool off my hot brain. Mm, hot brain summer. Bye. Bye.